Roger Dixon appeared in court as an expert witness, and that is a very peculiar kind of witness, peculiar in the unique sense of the word peculiar, not funny peculiar. An expert is somebody who has skills and knowledge that is not generally available to the public and who is there to assist the court. It may well be that he's called by the defense, but his function is to assist the court. And in fact, he is the court's witness. So he has got to be neutral. He's, whatever he finds, he's got to tell the court whether it's good or bad for the side that calls him. And that is something that is not widely appreciated by many experts in today's life. They become hired guns. Mm. Now, unfortunately, Roger Dixon uh, stepped outside. I'm not saying he was a hired gun, but certainly Roger Dixon stepped outside his field of expertise. Um, and he may have done so in the mistaken belief that he was capable of giving that evidence. But as it so transpires, it was painfully obvious that he was not capable of giving the evidence that he was giving. He's not an expert in blood splatter at all. <clears throat> He's not an expert in wound ballistics at all. And for him to give evidence on that, on those two topics, is reckless, I think. And uh, I don't think it was very wise of him to do that. Uh, uh, was it wise for the uh, for the defence rather to call him then? Well, I don't think so. I don't think he was properly uh, cross-examined by his own side in chambers, because had he been cross-examined, let's assume that I was on that team. And uh, Barry Rue said to me, we're going to call Roger Dixon. Part of the preparation of Dixon would have been to have him in chambers and for us to cross-examine him in chambers to expose the weaknesses of what he's saying in chambers before we called him. And I don't know whether that was done adequately because he certainly fell apart in so many ways in the witness box. And the way in which he reconstructed some of the uh, evidence in order to draw conclusions was quite frankly amateurish. I mean, you don't not find out that the balcony light was on uh, when you are doing the experiment about light. Mm. Um, and uh, on, on the question of sound uh, and acoustics, he's a babe in the woods. He knows nothing about it. And that was exposed rather painfully by Harry Nell. Now, as a layperson looking on, it, it, it's rather disconcerting and it's also confusing because when we think of science, you think of something that is precise. And when you listen to expert witnesses, you know, uh, forensic scientists disagree about something like the stomach content and the emptying of that, we just get confused, Dr. Klatzer. You do. Now, stomach content, by the way, is, is one of the least precise of the, of the things. It, it, it's been a controversial issue for many years. But take the stomach content and take the way it was done. Fat Simon said that the, the stomach content was probably there for more, not more than two hours. Mm. And he did concede. And, in fact, he, he conceded in his evidence-in-chief that that's not a precise measurement. But let's look at the, the reality of it. Most people who've got normal stomachs and normal gastrointestinal physiology will empty their stomach within two hours. 
okay, particularly mm-hmm. if it's a small meal and it appeared that that was a small vegetable type meal. Mm-hmm. That ought to have been gone within two hours. Barring some sort of uh, um, uh, gastrointestinal problem that Reaver might have, and there's no evidence that a young, healthy, fit woman would have any kind of problem or pathology of her gastrointestinal tract. The second thing is that let's assume that there was some aspect that caused the the food to reside in the stomach longer. When you have an operation, doctors will not operate on you within six hours of a meal. And the reason for that is that under anesthesia, often you will regurgitate, you will vomit up that meal, and you might suck it into your lungs. It's called gastric aspiration. You'll aspire it gastric content into your lungs and that is usually and often very fatal. It's it's not good for you to do that. So doctors will not operate on you unless there's an absolute emergency within uh, six hours. So within six hours all that food is pretty pretty well certain to have gone. And yet Oscar's testimony is that they ate much earlier in the evening seven or eight hours before and yet for for um, Simon to find recognizable food in the stomach suggests a much shorter period which challenges Oscar's version. Dr. Klatso, fascinating stuff. Thank you so much and hopefully we'll speak to you at greater length after this trial concludes. There you are. Goodbye and have a good day.